0: Friends who are like family on a mission. That's the church. We, we talked kind of about the mission last week, about the boats that we're in, about the things that we're called to, the people that are in our lives, and what we're supposed to do. Today we want to look at, though, the friendship and the family and the relational aspect. Um, I am not overly relational. Relational. I'm an introvert, and I'd be perfectly happy just to sit in a room by myself and to to watch a show or, or read a book. And yet at the same time, I know that I'm drawn to this group. I'm drawn to this family. And yes, we're friends, but I think we go beyond that to the point of being family. And that's what I consider you guys i know that not all of you feel that way but i hope you get to the place where you do because there are some amazing people in here that you can lean on and that will be there for you god created us to be relational god created us to be in community if you go back to the garden of eden god is creating the world right and he creates everything and what's he say after he creates everything it's yeah done. it's good right After everything, hey, he creates this, it is good, he creates this, it is good. Do you remember the first thing that wasn't good? Do you remember the first thing that wasn't good that he said? Genesis 2.18. It is not good for man to be alone. Right? Have you ever thought about the timing of that? Of when he says that? That's pre-fall. That's pre-sin. That's before mankind rebels against God. My friends, this is paradise. This is a time where Adam has face-to-face relationship with God. They're walking together. And God says it's not good for man to be alone. And that's because God designed mankind for community. He designed Adam for Eve. He designed, he designed Eve for Adam. He designed humanity for relationship with one another. Man is created in the image of God, right? In the likeness of God. What's part of the likeness of God? Well, Genesis 1, Then God, singular, said, let us, plural, make mankind in our, again, plural, image. We believe that God is three persons in one. We believe that God is in relationship with the different persons in the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And so when we're made in his image, one way that means is that we are also created with this desire for relationship by the God who exists in his nature in relationship. He creates us to be the same way. It's fundamental to who he is keep going, going in the Old Testament. We tend to read the Bible through individual lenses, right? We read the Old Testament and we see the great characters like Moses and David and uh, Joshua. And then we come to the New Testament and we, try, we look at the people like Peter and, and Paul. We look at these individualistic persons. But the great character of the Old Testament are, are not these people. It's actually the nation of Israel, right? And when you get to the New Testament... The great character is, of course, Jesus Christ. But what does Jesus Christ set up? He sets up the church. He sets up community. And his desire is to dwell with that community. Yes, God forms individuals, but he creates us for community. That's what he set up, right? A a nation, he gives ten commandments. The first four commandments are all about our relationship with God, right? And the last six, though, commandments are what? all about our relationship with each other in community. In the New Testament, we see a people group coming together in all these little different areas, forming these communities, these families, and they're working together what? They're working together to carry out the mission that he's called us to. And that's us today, a community of believers. That's what Jesus starts, right? The first thing that Jesus does in Mark's gospel after announcing that the uh, kingdom of God is drawing near, the first thing he does, he's, he calls people to himself. He calls people to community, to relationship. Andrew, Peter, James, John, right? And what's he called them to do? Follow me and I will make you fishers of men, Right? He gets 12 in this inner circle, but there's a wider circle. there's more in there, right? We have a, a couple Mary's in there. We have a, a Martha and a Lazarus and these other people that are following him in, in this community. And yes, he is a rabbi. He, has, he is this teacher, right? And yes, they are his disciples and followers. But in John 15:15 15, 15, he says this: "I have called you friends." He doesn't say, "I've called you colleagues." right? Coworkers, yes. But here he says, I have called you friends. And I would often say these are more like family, right? These followers of Jesus will live together with him for, for three plus years and grow close together, right? And then after Jesus, they will carry on in this community. I make the mistake of thinking about Jesus and looking about him with his disciples and and. Focusing on systems and structures. Hmm. What, What can I learn about discipleship through here? What can I, discipling techniques, can I glean from Jesus and how he related to his followers? And yes, that's good to look at and there's some good things in here. But lately, I'm just seeing the relational part of this. More and more, the relational part aspect to this. It's a mutual relationship. Did you notice that? He lets them in. He's not simply the one that knows everything and is teaching them. It's much more than that. He's including them in his relationship with the Father, right? That's what he's inviting them into back in John 15, 15. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. And you see the way that he does life with them. It gets me. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. It gets me that he cries at times. Right? Does that ever hit you? It gets me even more that he lets people see him cry. It gets me even more that he invites people into that inner sanctum. I cry at movies. I cry here. You've seen me, right? I'm okay with that because you're family. I don't let other people see me cry. I'll hide it out. You know, at the movie theaters, I don't want anybody else seeing me crying. Even though my family makes fun of me, it's still okay that they see me. Not, not only does he let them see him, though, he invites them to come closer in those times. Right? Intentionally, he takes them into the, with him into the Garden of Gethsemane. Right before he's about to be crucified, right? He invites three of them to go even further with him. Why? Because he didn't want to be alone during this time, right? This isn't business. Sometimes we approach church as business. It isn't. It's relational. It's community. It's family. He doesn't want to be, a, he doesn't want to be alone, so he invites them into his brokenness, right? To this immensely struggling, disturbing time where he's pleading with the Father. Father, if there's any other way Take this cup from me. We know he submits his will to the fathers. And do you remember what he says to the disciples? Couldn't you just stay awake with me for one hour? He's looking to lean on them a little bit, right? And they fell asleep. Some of us have fallen asleep. so we talked about last week, right? We're sleeping on some people that are sweating drops of blood right now in our church. We're sleeping on them. And I'm, I bet they're saying the same thing. Man, couldn't you just stay awake with me for one hour? can not you just help me with this? We see Jesus investing in them, but I'm noticing just how much deeper and relational it is. It's, it's, I know this is obvious that Jesus loves you, right? I know it's obvious that he's shaping us to a common purpose. There's a mission, right? But I'm reading these passages in a different light. John 13, 1, right? This is when he washes his disciples' feet prior to the Last Supper, right before the cross, and he says this, having loved his own who were in the world. That's what Jesus was doing. And that challenges me to look at how am I serving the church. You know what I thought I would? I thought I would make a great preacher because I thought I could preach and teach pretty good. And I'm learning there's a lot more to it, a lot more of the relationship. And I'm, I'm wondering if that's even more important to it. It's an area where I need to grow, right? What am I doing with my church, Emily? What's my attitude towards you all? Because this is what Jesus did, right? He says he loved his own. And the verse goes on to say he loved them to the end. He loved them to the end. He doesn't say he trained them to the end. That's what I was thinking, right? It doesn't say he taught them, discipled them to the end. He did that, yes. And he did it amazingly. But it says he loved them to the end. And that's why he was able to give them a new commandment, right? Do you remember that new commandment? John fifteen twelve? As I have loved you, so you love each other, right? So you are to love one another. As I have loved you all the way. That's how I love people. All the way. They saw this lived out, right? They lived the last three plus years with him where he just poured out into their lives. They enjoyed each other's friendships. The fellowship, right? They ate together. They, they wandered Galilee together. I, had to, I have to believe that they, Jesus told some amazing good jokes with them. They did life together. They saw the miracles together. They wept together. As I've loved you, so you are to love one another. Here's the direction with that, right, throughout the Gospels. The, the account of Jesus. He invited them to join in with the business of his father. The only business that he was about was the father's business. Jesus, 12-year-old boy, right, runs away from his family, gets, gets separated from his family, and where is he at? He's at the temple, and they're like, Jesus, what are you doing here? He's like, don't you know I had to be in my father's house? Maybe another way of saying that. Don't you know I had to be about my father's business, right? That's what he was about. That's what he was called to. And we're invited with him on this mission. We see Jesus bringing the disciples into the family business, the mission. He says, I'm about doing what my father does. I only speak the words my father speaks, right? That my father tells me to speak, that gives me to speak. They're coming into this family and they're becoming a part of that. They're on mission. They're learning the family trade, which is building the kingdom of God. That's what we're called to do today. Can we be reminded of that? This is important. He calls them, says, follow me. He gathers the ones that say yes. And he creates this community, this family, right? He loves them. They join in on the father's business. And then ultimately, He sends them out as brothers and sisters to carry on the work, right? That's the church. Friends who are like family on mission. That's us. That's what we need to be about. We gather together as family so that we can be a part of doing the Father's work. That's why it's important. That's why it's important that we gather together so that we can go out of here and carry on the Father's work, right? You know why that's important? Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will ever enter the kingdom of heaven. Not everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven. I hope that scares you right now. Because it does me. But only the ones who do the will of my Father who is in heaven. So immediately when I'm reading that, I'm like, am I doing the will of the Father who's in heaven? Right? Let that check your spirit. Let that check your soul, right? Many, listen to this, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we drive out demons in your name? Didn't we perform many miracles? Didn't we do a lot of stuff? Then I'll tell them plainly, I never knew you. Relationship. Away from me, you evildoers. Do you know him? Are you doing life with him? Are you including him in your life? Are you following him? Are, are you concerned with the Father's will? Do you know what the Father's will is? Man, if you don't, that should scare you. And we need to talk, right? Are you about the Father's business? Or you just come into a building called church and you don't really care? I don't know. Many, many, he says. Are you participating in building the Father's kingdom? Or are you only focused in on your own? Are you involved? Are you serving? Are you supporting? Right? I don't want any one of you to hear away from me. I never knew you. I don't want you. That would break my heart. That would break my heart. Like, I'm inviting you here to church. I want you to come to church. I want you to be a part of this family. And it's not out of anything but just a concern, right? I want you to get it. I want, you to, I want you to know the Lord, your Lord. I want you to know him in a way that changes your heart, that flips your life upside down, right? Because that's what he did with me. I'm not here about <clears throat> anything else. I just want you to experience it. I want you to experience an amazing family that loves you. Amen. Gospel of John. John 20, 21. After Jesus is resurrected, he appears to the disciple and he says, As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. My friends, we are family on a mission. There is something that we are called to do, and that's to share the good news, right? That's to bear each other's burdens. That's to go mow the lawn for our brothers and sisters when they can't. Do the simple things. You don't have to be some preacher, right? God's not calling everybody to do that, but what is God calling you to do? What is God laying on your heart to do? Ah, man, send somebody a text. Send somebody a message. Reach out to them. Go pray with them. Go take them some food, right? What is God calling you to do? Start a ministry called Grief Share, right? There's people who are dealing with death right now that need some friends, that need some family, that need relationship, right? Some people to lean on. What's God calling you to to do be about that as you read through acts and in the letters what the new testament church is it's it, you see this it's friends who are like family on a mission you see that left and right right it's not friends who are like family and take care of their own though that's part of it that's a good part of it but if we're just focused in on each other we're not about the mission to go out of here and we have to be about that we can't be the country club We can't be the people that just care about each other. We've got to be the people that care and go out and carry on the mission and preach the good news and share the gospel, right? There's a direction. It's outward. It's not inward. It's not bunker down. It's go out. And we can't not be about the mission. The other side of it is we can't do the mission without each other. We can't be about the mission and trying to do it alone. You will burn out. You will struggle. You need somebody to lean on. Trust me, right? You need somebody to lean on. We're stronger together, combining gifts and talents, encouraging one another. You might not know the words to say, but that person that you bring with you might know exactly the words to say. If you just got one more person, Jesus always sent the disciples out into you. If you just got one more person to do it with you, you're a lot stronger. Right, Grab somebody and go on mission. That's my challenge to you. As a church, we have to have both these aspects. At the start of the church, Acts 2, one, the people are all together in one place, right? The spirit comes and they burst out onto the streets, right? Peter preaches the message and 3,000 people come to them know the Lord. And then Acts 2.44 says that these believers were together and had everything in common. That's family, that's community. There's both aspects to it. And then they do it all over again, right? They go out again. They bring more in. They come back together. They had shared possessions, shared lives, shared sorrows, shared homes. They go out with a shared message on a shared mission. That's the direction of the Holy Spirit. He sends us out, but he also draws us together in community. In relationship, like a family, Acts two forty six. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. Is this not friends who are like family on a mission? Acts forty four thirty two. all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. Man, this, this verse gives me a picture, gives me a glimpse into the New Testament church. I love the image that we get in Acts 12. Acts 12, at this point, James, brother of John, has been killed. Peter's on mission right now, and he gets arrested. He's thrown into jail, and do you remember what the church did Many, many gathered to pray, right? They went to somebody's house. They gathered to pray for, for Peter. And I just want to read you part of this passage, Acts 12, 12. At this point, an angel has brought Peter out of the jail. Peter doesn't even know what's going on. He's kind of like dazed and confused at this point. He, he thinks he's kind of still asleep, that this isn't really happening here, all right? But check this out, verse 12. When this had dawned on him, when he finally realized, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance and a servant named Rhoda came and answered the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter's at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of that prison. Tell James. And the other brothers and sisters about this, he said. And then he left for another place. First of all, all, right? I love Rhoda who comes to the door and is so excited she doesn't let him in, right? I love the rest of them, how they're like, you're crazy, woman, right? I love how Peter has to hush him up. Shh, I just got broke out of jail. Let's not make a big scene about this, right? But most of all, I love that many were gathered to pray for him, right? Sunday nights, August 21st. We're going to start that here at 6 p.m. if you can make it. I want want to pray for each other in a deep way. I want us to be able to share the deep things that are on our heart that we can't share in front of everybody like this big group, right? I want us to find some prayer warriors to, to be with us in this, and I hope to see you there. Acts chapter 20, Paul's en route to Jerusalem. At this point, he knows that he'll never see the Ephesian church again. And he's sailing, and he stops. And he sends for the elders of the church. They come and meet him on a beach. And he gives them one final message. And after he's done speaking to him, it says this, Acts 20, 36. When Paul had finished speaking, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. I want to kneel down with some people and pray. They all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. We don't have to do that part. The last part. What grieved them most was a statement that he would never... That they would never see his face again. Then they accompanied him to the ship. Can you picture this, though? Kneeling down, just embracing some people, saying their goodbyes. This is more than friendship, my friends. This is family. And could you imagine if the Apostle Paul started your church and nurtured it and then told you, hey, this is going to be the last time you see me? I'm going to go away. It's deeply relational. I've always thought of Paul as a bit of a grizzly guy fiery guy, right? Doing the missions work, bivocational, enduring all sorts of things. He's tough, right? He confronts people. He tells people off. He doesn't back down. That's my image of him. And now I'm just starting to see more and more though just how relational he was. First Thessalonians 2.7, some, image, some imagery. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Why do they care so much? Next part. Because we loved you so much. And check this out. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Mission and family. Family on mission. So I'm reading this, right? And I'm feeling convicted. A lot of times I'm tired. I work. And then the weekend comes and it's sermon prep and Sunday school prep. And then it's exhausting. You're preaching. And you know what I'm delighted to do? Go home. Just, just rest and go home. But Paul and these people are delighted to share with you not only the gospel, but their lives as well. Are we sharing our lives with each other, right? Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, Again, language of family, our toil and hardship we worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. And then just a few verses later, Second, or Thessalonians 2.11, he says, for you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. As a father, is there anything opposite of the nine to five as a father or a mother? That is not a nine to five job, right? And this is the language that he's using. I see why Paul is so fierce when he's dealing with people, right? I know he's passionate about doctrine, I know he's passionate about truth. He's fierce, though, because he genuinely cares for these people, cares enough to call them out, right? Cares enough to hold them accountable, cares enough to give them a little bit of a butt whooping cares enough though to stand up against the wolves that are trying to get in because he cares about them because he loves them 1 Corinthians 4:14 4, I'm writing this not to shame you but to warn you as my dear children because I love you you need to know this right he says to them you have 10,000 teachers you do not have many fathers though I became a father I became your father through the gospel it's relational it's relationship, it's family. I know a lot of scripture in here. Believe it or not, I actually cut a lot. But it's important that we see it, that we get a good picture of this. Romans 16, is a list of people he tells to greet. Verse 14, greet Rufus, great name, chosen in the Lord, whose mother has been like a mother to me. Do you have a church mom? Do you have a church grandma? Do you have a church grandpa? You need one. You got a church brother? Like brother? You got a church sister? You need one. You need family, right? Not just come here, get the message, and go out. You need that family part of it. Trust me, there's something special about that. Can we just be encouraged today to be family to each other, right? Let's go beyond the superficial. Let's get involved in each other's lives, right? What's the person in the chair next to you going through? What are they dealing with? in their life. Invite them over to your home. Invite them to a meal. That's what the New Testament church was doing, right? And even better, invite them on mission. I'm sitting at a restaurant with a person talking about spiritual things and it dawns on me that this person needs a church family, right? And I'm like, I know the perfect family for you. You gotta come and check it out, right? Because I knew that they would embrace this person and love this person. You need that, right? You got some invitation cards right in front of you. Invite somebody to that. Invite somebody to that, right? To be a part of the family, to find a community that will care about them, that will hold them accountable, that will do life with them. Not just go to church. You can go to church anywhere get a family though that's what I want you pray for me right you encourage me you stand by me some of you I know would do illegal things for me right and we're coming together and going out on mission and that's what it's about and that's what every one of us in here can have if you'll do it if you'll allow it. Romans 15, 24, Paul wants to visit some people and he says, I plan to do so when I go to Spain. I hope to see you while passing through and uh, to have you assist me on the journey there after I've enjoyed your company for a while. After I've enjoyed your company, right? Paul's on mission though and it doesn't stop and he's looking for some people to help out on mission. That's church. Let's visit, enjoy people's company, encourage them, but let's carry on the work. Let's keep going. Friends, who are like family on mission. Let, I was thinking about this. Some, some of you I follow more on Facebook and know more about you through that, but let's go to some softball games, right, and see some people hit some home runs, right? Let's do life with people. Let's get each other's sports schedules and share them and just hang out with some people and do life together and encourage them while we're doing it, right? But let's not stop there. Let's then go out on mission and do that. When we do church this way, there's a cost. It takes longer. It's messier. People get hurt. You invite people in, you will get hurt, right? You know this for Jesus, he did it this way. It cost him, right? Peter denied him, the rest abandoned him. Judas betrayed him, betrayed him, right? Sold him out for money, for Paul. There were these moments where he obviously knew deep pain. John Mark quits on him right during the mission. There's a part in 2 Timothy 4 where Paul's in jail writing to Timothy, asking him to come quick. Timothy, please come quick. Can you bring my cloak, man? I'm cold. Then he says this in verse 16. At my first defense, no one came to my support. Everyone deserted me. My gosh, let that never be us." Right? There's going to be some painful moments in ministry. It's going to be messy, right? But then he says this: "Uh, oh, may it not be held against them. We don't hold grudges. We forgive. We don't hold grudges. We forgive. We're family, right? We can't let that get in the way. It's messy. We're going to get hurt. But we don't hold grudges. We forgive. And even if everyone does desert you, I got to keep reading. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength so that through me, The message might fully be proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. Christ stands besides us. There's a cost to doing church this way. We're going to get hurt, but what's the cost of not doing it? It's too great. Can we strive to give each other a lot of grace, right? And be family. Here's the other thing that we need to remember. I have a lot of admiration for the New Testament church. We read some beautiful passages. We read some about them being together, sharing everything, right? Helping each other. But here's the thing they weren't perfect. You look at churches in the Bible, there is a lot of dysfunction going on. Check out the letters that are written to them. The Corinthian church, there's a guy sleeping with his mother in law. And what's worse is nobody seems to care about that or think it's wrong. They're actually proud of it. There were power struggles. There were doctrinal fights. There were people quitting Christianity because they were getting kicked out of the synagogue. In other words, the cost was too great to be a Christian, and so they bailed, right? There's tons of immorality. There's people suing each other. There's pride. There's a lot of fighting. There's materialism. There's selfishness. And what's interesting, Paul's answer is not, hey, mm, this isn't working, right? His answer is not, well, we should do it a different way. He actually doubles down on it the way that he's doing it, the family way, the relational way. That's why in 1 Corinthians 13, he teaches the most excellent way is love. John, 1 John 4.20 says, Whoever claims to love God and yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. My friends, do not hang on to this hate this anger, this bitterness that you might have. It will drag you to hell. This church will never be perfect. You will never find a perfect church. The New Testament church wasn't perfect, right? We're going to hurt each other, but let's not give up. Let's be there for each other. Let's extend grace. Let's double down and forgive each other, right? Let's focus more on the mission. You focus on the mission instead of the things that really don't matter. Makes it a lot easier. That's what we're called to do. Amen? I need you to be all in on this. I need to be all in on this, right? I love in Acts chapter 6, people are giving the disciples some grief about not taking care of some other people. And what do they do? They appoint some other people. They appoint some elders in the church to take care of the widows, right? We need to be all in on this. This needs to be our church. Nobody can do everything. Somebody's going to let you down. When somebody lets you down, maybe that's an area where you can step into and you can serve. That's what we're called to do. Be a part of that, right? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today. Lord, we give you praise for our church family. Lord, help us to be full of grace. Help us to be involved in our friends and our family's lives, Lord. Help us to share burdens. Do not let pride get in the way of that, Lord. Lay people on our hearts to visit, to help. Let us not do it on our own, let us call people to go with you with us, Lord. Let us remember who we're doing this all for. Father, it's in response to the love that you've shown us. Lord, we want people to experience what we've experienced through knowing you. And that's a life who is wrecked, a life who has changed, a life who has turned upside down. Lord, we no longer are, are trapped in sin. Lord, and that's what we can offer to other people. Help us to be about sharing the good news. Put somebody in our path that we can do that, Lord. Draw us together and send us out. Lord, help us to be like friends who are family on a great mission, Lord. We love you for this privilege. And we thank you. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. 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 Alright, well, speaking of churches and everything like this, now comes the time where we're gonna take in some new members. If you are one of the people that have gone through the classes and you are interested in membership, if you'd come and just stand up here and face your church family, we're gonna talk about that here real quick. If you wanna you can turn in your Bibles to Acts two forty two. Acts two forty-two. Would you, would you listen to this? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled in awe with many wonders and miraculous signs as they were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. My friends, this is an image of the church. Friends who are like family on a mission. And that's what you're, we're inviting you into today. Let this be a picture of us. A few things that I want to point out. And I want to remind all of us that have been through membership and have chosen to, to, to do that, right? Let us, number one, be devoted to the Word of God. Amen. Make it a part of your day. Make Bible study a regular part of wrestling with the Word of God. You have Sunday school and you have Wednesday night options that you can go to when you don't understand. You have people that are mature that you can go to with your questions. Be a part of that. You should be in some kind of Bible study throughout the week, right? Number two, be devoted to the fellowship. Make church priority. Make church a priority. I've been listening to other pastors, big mega churches, very famous ones, and they've said things like, when they're doing sermon series, I, I know that the majority of you will not hear the second part of this series because you're, you're not going to come. That's just the reality of the world that we live in. People are not as committed to church as we once were. There's things that get in the way, work. I get that. There's other things that come up, right? But I want you guys to be committed to that because it's family, right? And you, you come to be encouraged, but you also come to encourage, other people. Number three, be devoted to each other. Break bread in homes. Do life together. Care for each other. Number four, be devoted to praying for each other regularly. Praying for this church and for the ministries in this church. Pray for the people in leadership. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Number five, remember the mission. Remember the mission. Remember there's more to this than just meeting together. We are being sent out. There's a call on our lives. I pray that you financially support it. I pray that you support it with your gifts and with your talents. I pray that you sacrifice to support it. Amen? All right. Dearly beloved, the privileges and blessings that we have in community together in the church of Jesus Christ are sacred and precious. There is in it such hallowed fellowship, care, and counsel that isn't known apart from the family of God. There is the godly pastoral care with the teaching of the word and the inspiration of corporate worship. Together we can collectively accomplish what we can't otherwise do by ourselves. The church is God's plan to continue the ministry of Jesus Christ, and that's what you're being called to do. Today I would ask you to affirm the doctrines and practices of this church. Number one, we believe in God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We believe that we are human beings born in sin, that we choose to sin, that we are in need of the work of forgiveness through Jesus Christ and the new birth by the Holy Spirit. And after that, there is growth that is expected. There is a deeper work of heart cleansing or entire sanctification through the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And that to each of these works... Of grace, the Holy Spirit gives witness. We believe that our Lord will return, the dead shall rise, and there shall come to final judgment with its rewards or punishments. Do you heartily believe these truths? If so, answer, I do. Do you heartily believe because that sounded not heartily? Do you heartily believe these truths? If so, answer I do. I do. I do. Thank you. Do you acknowledge Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and do you believe that He saves you now? If so, answer I do. I do. Do you desire to unite with this church family and be on mission with us? If you see, if you do, say I do. I do. Do you commit to the mission of building the kingdom, sharing the good news, and discipling the nations? If so, say I do. I do. Last question. Will you follow Jesus Christ in whatever he asks of you? If so, say I do. Well, it is my privilege to welcome you into the church as members. More than that, though, I already considered you brothers and sisters, but now it's kind of official. And I'm excited to be on mission with each and every one of you, with your gifts, with your talents. May we follow Jesus Christ in all that he calls us to do, every one of us in here, right? I pray we give each other a lot of grace, that we hold each other accountable, that we support each other, that we carry burdens, right? And that we're faithful until either we die or Christ calls us home. Amen? Amen. Amen. Can we give these guys a round of applause? We used to hug and do all that sort of thing. We kind of don't do that, but I'd like to. Okay. Yeah. Love you. Yep.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Man, love you. Welcome. God bless. God bless. Yes, Andrew, buddy. Welcome. Love you. Arda, Thank you. welcome. Love you. Lydia, Lydia, definitely love you, right? Love you. I'm proud of you. Aaron, love you. love you. Glad you're here. And Caitlin, Kate, sorry, Kate or Caitlin? Love you too, all right. Can we give them one final round of applause? All right, you can be seated. All right, last Russ and Mary, it's your time, right? Stay seated. I, I'm gonna. I lost your, I lost your award, but I found it. Actually, I had to be found it. I don't know if you're a guy like me. Half of you aren't, I'm sure. A guy like me, but I lose everything, and and I always ask my wife where it is, and she finds it like that, and that was true this morning. But Russ and Mary, in the Sermon on the Mount, right? Jesus encourages his followers to offer themselves beyond what is required. It's the way he lived his life. It's the way he modeled for us. If he says if somebody forces you to go one mile with them, go two. Go beyond what's expected. We're called to do that. We're called to do more than what's just expected with us. Why? because it's for the Lord that we do it, right? It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Colossians 3:24. It's expected for us to go the second mile. It's expected that that will be the characteristics of all who take the name of Jesus Christ. The second mile award recognizes just that. It recognizes that somebody has shown an exceptional spirit of faithfulness to service in the pursuit of building the kingdom of God. And Russ and Mary, we recognize that in you today. Today, we give this award to you when when you're married to become one, and that's why we do it to both of these two. I know that everything that I do is only because of the union that I have with my wife. She is an encourager. She is a helper, right, right? We are in this road together. And I know that's the same for you too. I've seen your service. I've seen your dedication. I've seen it with Terry, right, and how you loved on her. And it's been an inspiration to all of us. I've seen him teach Sunday school. I've been around long enough to see him teach Sunday school and Bible studies. Russ has served as an SDMI president. He headed up the construction of this church, right? That's a tough job. But he headed it all up and coordinated all of that Russ has been a mentor to me. He's pulled me out of board meetings and held me accountable with some things that I won't mention. He's been the person that we've all turned to uh, of matters of the church when we didn't know what to do or things like that. Mary served as chief caregiver, this Harry, for years. And they did so gladly with loving hearts. I've seen Russ fill the pulpit when the preacher was unable to make it and he preached on the Sermon of the Mount. That was the last time that I saw that. I've been taught in your Sunday school class. I've always learned something new in every class that I've been to and I've been challenged by it. Here's what I admire most though. Your hearts. You would think Russ being a little bit older on the church board might not be aligned to things of teens. I remember being the youth pastor here. And I remember Russ being the first person on that board to support the teens. I remember Russ crying for the teens even when other people on the board didn't want to do that. That's Russ's heart. I'm sure Russ would and Mary would prefer hymns and everything like that, but it's not about them. It's about reaching the lost. They've done this phenomenally and we give you applause and we thank God for being a part of this church, and leading the way. Amen? Amen. Can we give them a round of hands?
1: <laughs>
0: we love you. Love you, brother. Mary, we love you, too. Love you. I love you, too. I love having Mary with us, yeah. It's our first annual Second Mile Award, and I can not think of a more deserving people. Thank you for being those role models to us. Thank you for being a mentor. Thank you for your example. We, we honestly give God praise for you both, and we're grateful. We're grateful that he shared us with you. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to pray. I think we'll probably have some work to do to get some stuff ready, but I'm going to pray for the meal, and then we're going to enjoy a time of fellowship. If you can stick around, you're welcome to, and I hope you do. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. Lord, we thank you for Russ and Mayor. We thank you for their example. We thank you for everything that they've taught us, not only with their lessons, but with their lives. Lord, I pray that you would touch them right now, I pray that you would give them strength. I pray that they would know how much this church loves them and cares for them. Father, be with them in these coming days, these coming months, these coming years, Lord. Help them to finish strong. Clear their minds, Lord. Keep them fresh. Lord, we ask this in your name, Jesus. We also pray for this food, that you would bless it and bless this time of fellowship. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.